0: Well, it's good to be here tonight. I want to uh, do a teaching tonight over the next two Wednesday nights, and um, depending on how the how tonight and next week goes, I may do a third, because I want to get this information into your spirit, and I'm calling this little mini-series uh, called Mind Games, Mind Games. So I want to talk about this, because I want to talk about the power of the mind, and uh, there are scriptural references throughout the entire Bible when it comes to our our minds and how it operates. And um, give me just a second, let us pray together to bless this word. Lord, of course, we acknowledge you in everything that we do tonight. And let me just say something to you, devil. I'm going to be speaking about you tonight, and I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have no power, no authority over anyone in this place, over any anyone even in this building, over any believer. You have no power. And we bind you in the name of Jesus, the name that, that breaks every power and every ungodly stronghold. We just ask you, Lord, to cover us all in your blood tonight. And we just adore you and praise you and everything. And everybody said Amen. As I said, I want to talk for, the, for tonight and next Tuesday, next Tuesday, I'm on a different day, sorry, next Wednesday, on mind games and the power of your mind. And of course, we all know, and maybe most of us know, in Proverbs 23, 7, there's a scripture that says, for a man thinks in his heart, you fill, fill in the blank, fill in the rest of it, so if, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, okay. If you actually do some real in-depth study on that those that little small sentence, you will find out that the word heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, heart actually refers to the mind, okay? I know to you and I, we think down here, the actual beating heart, it's symbolic of the mind. So really, if it was translated properly, it should say, for as a man thinks in his mind, so is he, Okay. And I've had this new challenge recently, just in the past several months, kind of a, uh, a revelation, even though I've always had knowledge of this subject matter of the mind and how the Lord had had got, how God has created our mind and we only use, scientists say, about 10% of our, our brains, our minds, we only use a very small amount, uh, some less, some more. So uh, I've I've always known about this, I've even taught about it before, for the past, past several months I just kind of had a, a revelation, in and in a kind of an impulse, a, 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 a nudge from the Lord that He wanted me to study more on the subject matter, and, and do a lot more study uh, than what I have in years past on it. I really never took this subject serious, because I just wasn't in a stage or a season of life for me to really focus on what does the Bible say about our minds and how it works and how God created it. So I have been for the last several months on this new journey of the mind. And um, a few, oh, probably about a month ago, Stephanie and I went to a conference and they had a guest speaker of a, of a lady by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf. Elif. Everybody know? Yeah? You know, Le- you know her? Is she... You saw her. Okay, she's, she's really become a very big Christian speaker at many conferences, and she is a neuroscientist, a Christian neuroscientist. She's been studying the brain for over 25 years, and this information this lady knows about the brain and all of that and how it applies to the way God created it and the Word of God and all of that is just absolutely amazing. So for those of you who have never heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf, you can go Google her, you can go on YouTube and you can find all kind of videos and watch and you'll be amazed at what you will learn from this woman and I'm still going over many of her videos and learning what she knows because she knows the scientific aspect of the brain and because she's a Christian, she's applying both together in one world and it's just an amazing thing to know everything about the brain that I never knew about but Dr. Caroline Leaf has uh, been teaching, she has a book out that I'm planning on getting to kind of even dive even more, but I personally, for me, the Lord has been challenging me to find more about the mind and how it operates and how he intends it to operate, because you'll find out that our minds, of course, is part of our soulless realm, remember we said this many times, that you are a spirit, you possess a soul and you live in a body, okay, but you are spirit first, Your soulless realm is your mind, will, and emotions. And this is where the devil dominates the most, is in your soulless realm, mainly your mind. Because you've heard me say it before, your mind is the devil's playground. Okay? But it also can be on the reverse side, that your mind can be a powerful force for God if it's being used properly. The problem with humanity today because of the sinful nature that you and I are in and that we live in daily with sin all around us and you and I sin is the fact that our brains mostly dominate on the bad side because of the sin. That if the sin wasn't here, we would be totally operating our minds and our brains in the aspect towards the Lord and the things of the Lord. So where it's a constant battle in our minds, it's a battle between the good and the bad. The flesh and the spirit. Remember, the spirit is the part of us that has a natural desire to serve and want to, to know God and to do right before God's eyes. And then the flesh is the is the bad part. I I wanted so bad to have a little angel right here and a little devil on this side as an illustration, but I couldn't find any. But that's really, you know, we've seen movies. We've seen stories of, you know, the the angel talking good stuff over here and the. The, the devil talking the bad stuff over here, that really is a great analogy in the fact that both spirit and flesh are vying for your soulless realm, because when your soulless realm is affected either good or bad, it produces our behavior, okay, and there are steps in between that, it also produces our attitude, it produces our mood, and then it produces our, outside, our outward behavior. And that's the reason the Bible says that many times you can tell uh, how a person is by the fruit that they bear. Well, that's just a reference of saying that you can watch somebody's actions and behavior and tell a lot about them. And because I deal with a lot of people and have for many years in ministry, I have become more keen of watching people's behavior. And, of course, that's not always accurate. I understand that. I'm, I'm not... I don't do that perfectly, but but many times actions tell a lot about a person. And so, um, and it's not true all the time, as I said, so I want to make sure I make that disclaimer, but so it's important that we understand this mind and how the Lord intended it to work and it, how it was created originally and the struggles that we have in our minds. So, Next Wednesday is whenever I'm going to get more into the meat and potatoes of this. But tonight I want to stick to kind of an introduction and in about who the devil is and how he plays a part in our mind. So is that going to be okay? I grew up. Um, I grew up in a church. was a wonderful church. I cherished my growing up years in church. A very powerful church with a very powerful pastor who wonderful, godly people, and I cherish all that, but it seemed like, just looking back over the years, that we learned more, or we heard more about what the devil is doing than what God is doing. So I'm the type of a person, I don't want to focus so much on what the devil does, okay? He gets enough attention as it is. I don't want to give him any more than what he deserves. So I'm of the mindset, as I teach and preach, or whatever you want to call that, that I want to talk, tell about more of what Jesus can do in our life. But on certain occasions, I believe it's important that we learn about the enemy and how the enemy works in our lives, and that basically that's what tonight is. is we're going to be learning about what, who is the devil and how he works and operates according to Scripture. And many of you who are uh, seasoned Christians in here, you'll understand and amen a lot of this. For those of you who are young in the Lord, some of this may be revelation for you, and hopefully you'll walk out with new knowledge and understanding. But before I go into how God made the mind and how powerful your mind really is, I want to first establish the precedent that Satan himself knows this information, and he will use this information for his benefit at all cost, okay? He hates you. He abhors you. Not only does he hate human beings in general, but when you serve the Lord, he hates you even more. Okay? I don't care what they tell you when you get saved and give your life to Christ, that things become a bed of roses and, you know, birds fly around singing hymn songs all around your head and all those wonderful things, and there are wonderful aspects, as many of you already know, to serving the Lord. But it does open up uh, more attacks from the enemy. And I'm just being very truthful to you. I don't want you to walk out of here deceived. So Satan knows. We always say he's a, he's a dumb person or a dumb devil. In all reality, he's very smart. He's very brilliant. God created him. Okay, and we're going to find out more of who he is in just a moment. But if you have your Bibles, whether it's the paper Bibles or your electronic Bibles, whichever, Second Corinthians 4, 4. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. This particular verse is in the amplified Bible, which I have really gotten to love here recently. Second Corinthians 4, 4, it says, For the God of this world, referring to Satan, the devil. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers. Now I want you to pay attention. These scriptures will enlighten you tremendously just by reading the words that are on your page. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth. Okay, now I want you to realize the strategy of the enemy with this one scripture alone, alone, that he is a deceiver. Okay, he does not want us to discern or to tell right from wrong. Preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. So it's pretty plain, pretty forward. That the enemy will try his best to the unbeliever and the believer, but mostly the unbeliever, to keep them from seeing the truth of what Jesus Christ can do in their life. It is a mission that he has to make sure every unbeliever does not encounter a Christian so that the gospel can be shared with them and he will do anything at all costs to keep that from happening when we were when I was in school and many of you I don't know if we have any kids and you or youth in here they're all in the room but we used to do things like give me a T and everybody would say give me an O, o. give me a D D, D. D. okay what's this bell oh okay. This is what I uh, this is what I want to do tonight is I want you everybody to real out. I want everybody give me an R, R. give me an a. a, and give me a P. E. What does that spell? Rap. rap. Now I know what you're thinking is Todd going to do a rap here tonight. Don't provoke me. I may just do a beatbox here. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do that going to do that. <laughs> what I want to talk to you tonight about is Satan's rap sheet. Now, the term rap sheet comes from the police world in which whenever they pull up the history of a person to find out their criminal record, they call it a rap sheet. From what I have studied and what I have known it to be, rap is short for the word rapport, R A. P-P-O-R-T, right? And the T is silent, obviously. It's short for rapport. And basically, rapport is what is the character of this person, basically. So the police will say, what's the rap sheet? Well, I want to give us tonight a rap sheet of Satan himself so we understand uh, what he's doing. So the R and the A and the P I have as acronyms. And the R is going to stand for his resume. Who is he? The A is going to stand for his abilities, what he can and cannot do. And the P stands for his plans. What are his intentions? So we're going to start with R, and we're going to start with the resume. What is the resume? What's the history? Who is Satan, and how did he come into being? The Bible makes reference of his name when he was in heaven to be Lucifer. Okay, Lucifer, the name got changed to Satan somewhere in history, but anyway, the devil was also a slang name of, of Lucifer or Satan. But he was actually one of the top angels in heaven. As a matter of fact, he was the worship pastor of heaven. At least My studies say that, and, and I have no nothing to disbelieve that, but he was the worship pastor. He led all the music in heaven. He was the Brent Brunson. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying he's a worship pastor. <laughs> Do not tell him I said that, okay? I, I'm taking a picture of who's all here. But he was the, what I call the worship pastor of all of heaven. Just, just from pure experience... Working with churches of all different sizes, whether I worked in them or whether I had associations with them, one of the top ministries within a local church body that had probably the most chaos, the most battle, the most destruction, whatever you want to call that, was the music ministry of a church. And the reason that my philosophy is this, is because he was a worship pastor, and he Cannot stand anybody else taking his old position. And so I've personally seen many music departments, many music ministries have the greatest attacks of the enemy. From my reasoning, is probably because they are taking his position. He also wanted to be on the same level as God. Okay, we're going to read about that in just a moment. And he recruited one third of the angels to help make this happen. So he had a pretty good influence in heaven to recruit one-third of the angels. Now, Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14, beginning in verse number 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How were you cut down to the ground? Mighty though you were against the nations of the world. Now, notice the personal pronouns they're getting ready to use here. It says, for you said to yourself, referring to Satan, Lucifer, you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and rule the angels. I will take the highest throne. I will preside on the mount of the assembly far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High God. He was wanting all those things. But it says, but instead, you will be brought down to the pit of hell, down to the lowest depths, which is where we get the term hell, basically, which is his final resting place. So Satan had a pride problem. He had a problem that he wanted to be up there with God, if not be in his spot. And of course, the story goes that he was cast out of heaven. And that's how the earth became the condition it is when Adam and Eve have sinned. And he was there as a snake. And you know the story how he persuaded Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit. See, he's not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere. He's not all-knowing. He's limited. He's limited. So how does he get so much accomplished around this earth? It's because of the one-third of his angels, his death angels, or the demons that you and I may know them as today. So here he is. He's got his one-third of all his... Hordes of hell that followed him were cast out of heaven with him, and so that is how havoc is being uh, wreaked upon this earth today. And how do you explain the evil in today's world? How do you explain all the murders that go on in this world? How do you explain all the child pornographies and the, and the immoral acts that take place today? How do you explain all the hate and the violence? How do you explain all the junk that happens in our lives? Maybe there was a damaged chromosome. I don't know. Maybe a person's nursery was painted the wrong color when they were a baby and it caused evil. Or maybe their diaper was on too tight. I don't know. But what I do know is that evil is present because of Satan himself and his demons, his hordes of hell are come going through this earth seeking whom they may devour as the Bible says going all over this earth and so we're talking about an organized evil force that that he has going on here you know in certain parts of the United States maybe in around the world which I do know it's around the world or they have organized crime they call it which is usually the Italians and the mafia is what they call them They're called organized crime, meaning they're bad, but they're well-oiled machine to where it's like a business. Satan has the same thing. There are strategies that he uses. There are plans. There are devices that he uses that does all of what he does. So it is a well-oiled machine, and it's real. People have a problem trying to reason with this because of a rationalistic and materialistic mentality. You see, some people think if I can't touch it or feel it or smell it, then it must not really be a reality. But I look at this. I look at love. Let's say love. I can't touch it. I can't smell it. I can't see love. But I know it exists. Why? Because I feel that. And the thing is, some people say, well, I don't believe there is a devil. Just look around you. Look, look where you live. Look where you work. You will find that there is something happening that is causing humans to be in the condition that we're in. So if we think we can't see it or touch it or smell it, we think sometimes it's not real. But I'm here to tell you, look around. It is real. The, it, the Satan is real. I don't understand wind, you know, I understand that there is wind, I feel wind, I know it's there, but I can't, I can try to capture it in a bottle, and maybe it's still breezing around in a bottle, but usually when I open it up, you find out that it's not doing that. So we have this mindset that if we can't really tangibly look at it or feel it, then it may not be real, but he is real, he is at work. The word Satan means adversary. It means accuser. So not only is he your enemy, your adversary, but he is your accuser. That is one of his strongest tools against you is that he will accuse you of something. Even if you really did something, he will accuse you before God and accuse you before yourself and make you feel bad for what you did. And one of the battles that we fight in our mind is trying to fight the battle of what the enemy tells us to be truth when it's actually a lie. Okay? And so he, it's an adversary, accuser, enemy. All right? So that's his resume. I'm just giving you very light bullet points. Don't have time to spend weeks on this. The A in the rap sheet stands for his ability. second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 it says this after all we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief then we're not oblivious to all of his sly ways okay the King James Version calls it don't be ignorant of his devices So what is this scripture saying? Know the enemy. Okay, some people say, I don't even want to talk about the devil. Yeah, I agree with that. There is truth to that. We shouldn't have to focus on the devil. But the Bible is clear that we should know and understand the strategies, the purpose, the intent of the devil. And that's what I'm trying to do tonight is just enlighten you more of who he is and how he plays a role in our life. The Bible says that he's like a lion seeking this earth, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Devour, to put it in regular English, to destroy you. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's out for everything that God had created, especially you and I as humans. And the reason is, is because we're the ones he created to have fellowship and communion with. And if he, he can't have that anymore... So therefore, he's going to destroy you and I to the best of his ability to make sure we do not have communion with the Lord. 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert. Okay? Hear the writer saying, be alert, pay attention, be vigilant. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's in your Bible. So we understand this, if we get it in our minds that this is one of his intentions, that he is constantly on the go. He doesn't sleep like you and I. He is on the go 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. There is no resting for him and his demons. And, And I heard of an acronym for the word ALERT, and it was this. I liked it. ALERT stands for, we had to put it in an acronym, always looking everywhere to respond to temptation. Always looking, always being diligent. You will even find in Scripture, uh, especially the Old Testament, in in times of battle that they will put uh, men in certain key places around the city to be watchmen on the wall. Their job was to watch for the enemy. And the same thing applies to our spiritual lives is that we're to be constantly looking for the enemy and see how he's playing in our life. Now, I know that some of you here may not be a practicing believer. I hope all of you are. And if you're not, you're in a great place, by the way. But once you cross that line of becoming a believer in Jesus Christ and submitting your life to Christ, war will be declared and you will leave the battleground and go immediately into the battle. Now, I know that doesn't sound too promising and sound like a walk through Disneyland, but this is reality. When you give your life to Christ, you're basically saying, Lord, I'm in your army. I'm in your army. You used to sing a song as a kid. I'm in the Lord's army. And we used to do all this, you know. Yes, sir. Some of you, how many of you remember those you remember that army song as a kid? I forgot it. It's been such a long time. But. But we automatically are enlisted in the army of the Lord. Now, someone say, "I don't, want, I didn't call, I didn't want to serve the Lord and be in the army." Here's the good part: is you're on the winning side. Matter of fact, the battle is already won. The battle, the we may lose some battles, but the war itself has already been won on the cross. Okay, that is the promise. You, and if I'm going to be on the winning side. I'm going, to, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. You know, this ISIS thing that's going on on the other side of the world, and you got America and England and uh, some of these other countries, Saudi Arabia that's that's going against ISIS. You know, as much as I hate all of this uh, wars on the other side of the world, a part of me kind of makes me stick out my chest and kind of say, and be proud that, hey, I'm on the winning side because I know what we can do to them. And you and I are on the winning side. We have already won the battle through Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross. And I don't know about you, that makes it so much easier for me to serve the Lord. And here's the thing, we don't ever go to battle by ourselves. We go together as believers. We're in this thing together. I can stop here and I can talk about lone Christians, lone rangers, that want to be Christians but doesn't want to ever have, have to associate with other believers and and they don't see the value and the importance and the, and, and the great things that happen in a local church being connected to other believers. They don't get it but yet they are out there alone and I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. I want to stay on my notes though. John chapter 10 verse 10 The thief does not come except to Still, kill and destroy. Okay, we've already established that quite openly tonight and quite determined that he is out after you. A lion looks for stragglers and wanderers in a pack of animals. The devil does the same with believers, he is looking to devour even believers that are not a part of the flock. Or what we would call a local church. Now you get me started on this. I don't know if you can get me off of this. But I am a huge. You cannot debate with this with me. But I am a huge proponent. That every believer should be connected to a local church. Every believer should be submit their life underneath a pastor. Who is a shepherd of the flock. We all understand that Jesus is the chief shepherd, as the Bible makes reference. And in the days of the Bible, even today they do this in other parts of the world. Herding sheep was a very common thing. And the man in charge of controlling the sheep was called the shepherd. And of course there's a lot of symbolism with that. Uh, in the fact that they carried a staff. The staff was more, does a, several functions of when they're climbing rocks or mountains, it helped keep stability of the shepherd. It also had a hook on the end that was very long, and if a, if a sheep needed some help and he was within, uh, out of distance, he would reach that staff out, grab it around the neck using the loop on the end, and would help bring safety to that uh, sheep. So there's many functions to that. So Jesus is the chief shepherd, and the Bible make reference of pastors, and another word for pastors is shepherd. And they basically on a smaller level, a pastor is a Shepherd over a local church or a flock of people. So you and I, you need to pat yourself on the back. You're a sheep. You're a spiritual sheep. Okay? You are part of a flock. Pastor Dan is our shepherd with our ultimate shepherd being the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. So I do believe that every believer should be connected to a local body. Okay? There are a lot of wandering Christians out there. Without the protection of the shepherd, without the protection of a pastor, uh, can I have? Uh, let me have about five men up here. Ron, will you join me? Come up here, Don. Nikolai, come on up here. I need some. I need some beefy men who's got some muscles. Oh, okay, <laughs> give me. Give me somebody else here. Give me. I just need one more come on up here. Yes, yes. Okay, I want you to just form a circle right here, hold hands spread out though. With All right. Can I use one of your ladies who wants to volunteer? You don't say anything. Come on, come here. You're so willing. I like you a lot. This is just an illustration just to connect the dots here, okay? I'm, I'm a very visual person. I, I, I believe in visuals. Here, you have what we call the protection of the local church, the protection of a senior pastor, the spiritual protection that God intended here, the body of believers, let's say Bethesda Community Church. You have her out here on this side. Come over here closer to here. you got them coming you got her on the outside who is a believer but not connected anywhere. As nature will dictate, whether they're lions, tigers, any, any animals of, that, that seek prey out, dominant animals like those, their job, especially in, the, in a herd of animals, is to get them separated, split, and divide and get one off by itself. Because when they get them away from the pack, they become powerless. So here you've got a believer here who should be connected on the inside of a church under the protection, the, the calling, the anointing of, of the shepherd of that local assembly. And while they're wandering out here, all it takes is the enemy, like I'll represent the devil, is to come and grab her and just take her away. She has no one to fight for her. Yeah, it's okay, baby. Let's pray for you. Lord, just touch her. Okay? But she gave her life to Christ. She, she's a believer. And she understands the principle of when it says in the Bible, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Okay? There is scripture that backs up what I'm saying that she gets now inside. Connected inside the local body where there's protection of other believers, protection of, the, of a spiritual shepherd. No, you're inside. No, you're inside. Okay? And then when the enemy comes up and tries to get a hold of her, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Hold on.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Hold on.
0: Okay, Okay. that's my point, is the fact that whenever you are connected to the local church and you're connected with the protection of not only the pastor who is the shepherd and the believers and the support of, of all the believers, the enemy, is. it's harder to take her away because there's protection with this. You see, when you're having a bad day, that's when you need others to help pray and encourage you and love on you. And whenever those are having a bad day, that's when you can become the protector and love them and and and, and uh, help help them in their moment of crisis. That is what this experience is all about: is to be protected from the attacks of the enemy and be wise at doing all of this. Amen. All right, give it up for all for my illustrators here. I still love you. Many of us parents who have kids, especially kids still in the home, would take our kids to the Fort Worth Zoo, drop them off in the lion's cave, and tell them, honey, why don't you go practice your ballet moves right over there in that, or boys, you go practice the kicking the soccer ball within the lion's cage. Now, that does not seem realistic at all, is it? Okay, it's not even logical to go tell your kids to go play in the street and hope they don't get hit. Now, Billy Bob, I want you to go play in the street, but watch out for the cards. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But I'm telling you, as believers, we make some pretty unwise decisions, and we put ourselves intentionally in the, in, the, in the way of the devil, and he tempts us and he grabs us. And then when he grabs us, we wonder what happened and why it happened. We got to be careful. We have to be careful of how we play with the devil. What's the saying? You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Okay? I never was a risk taker as a, as a kid. I, I just was not of that caliber. You know, some boys, I mean... I had a friend that I was very close with, lived next door. I mean, he would jump big ditches with his bike and crash and go to the ER and all these things, and he would do it again. After he gets hurt, he would do it again. I never was that type, you know? So I think there is a sense of wisdom. I watch these people on videos, even today, YouTubes, whatever, people who are on purpose doing things knowing they're going to get hurt. And you know what I think? This is just me. And I'm and maybe it's bad, maybe it's wrong, but this is the way I think. I hope they get hurt bad. What if they get hurt, they deserve it. That's the way I live. You know, these skateboarders. Skateboarders, you know, they do all this stuff and they're in the skate park and they're, you know, I don't know how they do it. Jump their skate up and they kind of slide it against this little railing and all these fancy tricks. And I, I'm thinking you des- you numbskull. You deserve everything. You had too many falls, the reason you keep doing that. Your head is messed up. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, that was a side note. So sometimes, as parents, we put our kids in situations that we shouldn't, and we wonder why they get messed up when they become an adult or as a teenager. We have to be careful. What kind of TV shows are our kids watching? What kind of movies are they watching? What kind of video games are they playing? What kind of websites are they looking at? What kind of magazines? What kind of books? All these things. Some might say, oh, that's just too, being too protective. You can never be too protective in this day and age. Okay? I have two kids, and both of them, we're, we're not overly strict, but we're strict enough they their protection that, that uh, Grafton, when he gets on the computer, there are rules. He has his own username and login that he does not have the password to. Me or Stephanie are the only ones in the house. If he wants to get on the computer, we have to put it in so that we know he's on the computer. Then behind that, I got all these parental controls all set up on the computer to where he can't even go to a site without it saying that then you need permission and you need the password. So anytime he wants to go to one of his Minecraft game sites, which he's a game, Minecraft freak, uh, he has to come find me or Stephanie to put the password in. Well, what does that do for us? It allows us to see what website he's going to go look at, you know. So we have all these protections in the place for him to be protected, you know. Hannah's the same way. We had those same things. We were careful who their our kids hang out with, who were their friends. We were very cautious with all of that. And they always, uh, why are you so tough and strict on us? And I say, one day you're going to thank us. And one day you're going to do this to your kids too. You just don't realize it. No, no, we're never going to. We're going to treat our kids differently. Come on, some of you parents probably heard that. We're going to treat our kids differently. We're not going to be as tough and strict on them as you are with us. I'm going to let them do things they want to do. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So a lion stalks its prey. It stalks its prey. Lions. You know, he's not going to come around in a red leisure suit and horns on his head and a pitchfork in his hand and Elvira tattooed on his forearm. He's not going to come like that. He's not going to come with this, I've come to get you. He's not going to come so obvious. How do I know this? Because this is what the Word of God says. It says the Bible says, for he transforms himself into an angel of light an angel of light he comes to church in suits he comes to church in dresses not literally but i mean you know what i'm talking about it's figure of speech he comes in ways to trick you into believing that it's not really him. We always think that he comes all in this one big, huge way where he just makes himself known. No, he is sly. I don't know why I teach, but I come up with songs from childhood. And there was a song we sang in in children's church. Some of you know it. Sing along with me if you know it. The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box. Lock the door and throw away the key. For all those tricks he's played on me. It was a Sunday school song. He's a sly old fox, as the song says. He is sneaky, and he is manipulative, and he will use people. People to get into your life. I, I'm thinking about saying something, but I shouldn't. Okay, let me give you the cliff notes version of this. This has come just from years of experience and just just praying about this. I have found that most damage that are done in the local assemblies, local churches. Were mostly done by Christians and not outside unbelievers. And so I told the Lord one day when I was thinking about this, about how much damage is done in the local church through Christians. Not the world, not the unbeliever, not the Satanist, not the agnostics, the atheists, not by them, Most damages in churches today when it comes to church splits, havocs, chaos, whatever you want to do it, is caused by Christians. Christians. And then I I told God, I said, God, if this is the case, then the devil doesn't even have to use the world to destroy your church. All he has to do is use Christians. And it's almost as if God kind of nodded his head and said, P and RAP stands for his plans. How does he do it? I picture I picture a television set. You know, many of us have televisions, a flat screen TV in our house, and I picture a remote control. And the remote control, you know, changes the channels and volume and all of that. But I picture the I picture that God and the devil are fighting over this remote control because the remote control is what controls you and I. It's just a figure of speech or, or a symbolism here. So I picture the devil and God fighting over this remote control, which is what controls you and I. And so you have the devil who gets a hold of it, and he'll show you something on the TV screen, and he'll make it look beautiful. He'll say, look look at that picture up there. Look, Listen to that sound. And he will always make something that is dangerous for you as a believer into something that looks good. He he knows how to candy coat things. And then I see God getting the remote and saying, no, no, that's that's not what you need to look at. This is what you need to look at. And then, of course, it's whatever God wants you to see. And so this is the way I see the devil and God fighting over the remote control, fighting over your life, my life. You know, one's over here in this ear saying, do this. The other one's saying, no, don't do that. The devil's telling you to do this. God is saying, no, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. It's going to possibly even destroy you. You see, our eyes and our ears are the gates into our soulless realm. Right here. This is gateways into your mind, your soulless realm. Are gateways into your soulless realm. And Satan will use your eye gates and he will use your ear gates to get into your mind with the sound and images, especially wrong sound and images. But the same fact, the Lord can do the same thing. He wants to have your eyes to see the right things. He wants your ears to hear the right things. So it's the constant battle between flesh and spirit, God and the devil. It's this constant battle in life. And I think the devil's plan is, is what I would call a has a 3D approach. And the 3Ds are this. Desire, deceit, and the last one is defeat. So the desire is simply what it says. Satan will come to you, reveal something, show you something, let you hear something that creates a desire in you to do knowing his intentions that it would be bad for you, wrong for you. And drugs and alcohol are one of these greatest examples because they mess up our lives, they mess up our thinking processes. And so you have the devil who will put, spend something that is bad and detrimental to us and make it into a desire where we desire it. Okay? So when wrong desires have been created in our minds, then he creates a deceit. Deceit is simply uh, showing something to be truth when it's actually a lie. The root word of that is deceive. Okay? He convinces you through deceit. He deceives you into the fact that he will show you or let you hear something or experience something that is bad for you, but it actually uh, but he paints it with colors. He paints, he puts candy coating on that. And so he convinces us that a lie is a truth. You do know that Satan is called the father of all lies, right? Okay. He cannot. The devil cannot tell the truth. He cannot. There is no truth in Satan. No truth whatsoever whatsoever. Matter of fact, in John 8, let's verify this according to Scripture. For he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. For when he speaks of falsehood, he speaks what is natural for him. For he is a liar himself, and the father of lies, and of all that is false. So when I have people come up and tell me, oh, Pastor Todd, the devil has been telling me I'm worthless. The devil has been beating me up and just telling me that I'm this and I'm that. And I just want to say, stop, wait a second. Do you realize what you're saying? That if the devil is a liar and he can't tell the truth, and yet you just told me that he tells you this, then you automatically have a right to reverse the lie and find out the truth behind it. So the next time you come to me and say, oh, the devil's telling me this, I'm going to say, okay, stop. What's the opposite of that? He told you you were worthless, so what's the opposite of worthless? You have worth. So if he is a liar, and he's telling them you're worthless, and now you find out that you have worth. Now you have something to base your strength upon. You have, you have truth now to help you. And what does the Bible say about truth? It will set you free. You see, that is many of our struggles as believers today in, the, in our minds. Because he will convince us that a lie is truth. And you and I have struggles today in our spiritual walk with the Lord because many of us are believing lies that we think to be truth whenever God never gave us those. It was the devil. And that's some of the things that I want to talk about next week is to help us understand that the devil will create lies. And we may not know their lies. But when we find out the truth behind the lie then that's when true freedom comes because there is freedom in truth. Satan used this strategy of lying and making something truth. He did it with Adam and Eve. Okay, he told he told Eve, "Oh, that that uh, uh, fruit right there that you, that you were not supposed to eat. Oh, that'll make you like God. You'll have all. You'll know everything like God." Okay. He made a lie. That's the reason Eve was deceived into eating it. Adam was deceived into eating it. He used the same strategy on King Saul. If you know the story of King Saul in the Old Testament, King David was also deceived. He lusted upon Bathsheba and killed her husband so that he can have her. This is King David. He wrote the Psalms. He was the one the Lord said... He's a man after my own heart. It goes to show you even the best of us will fail and make mistakes. But one thing I'm very thankful of is I know that he forgives us. My God, if there wasn't forgiveness, we might as well hang it up. We might as well just hang it up and forget life. But because there is life after sinning, and there is forgiveness after our sins, then we can walk around with that spring in our step. Judas Iscariot, he was deceived. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, was deceived originally as a Pharisee, killed Christians, hated Christians, didn't want anything to do with Jesus freaks. He was deceived in the beginning, but thankful. The truth came to him and set him free. And again, wrote two-thirds of our New Testament Bible. The whole time the devil is lying to you, God is saying, truth. The truth will set you free. If you will only realize the truth that I am expressing to you, you will be free. And many of us are bound to this day because we are believing a lie about ourselves. The third point of the 3D is the. Def- is def- after we sin against God, he then rams his helmet into the smalls of our back and says, how stupid are you? Look what you just did. You think God's going to forgive you of that? You messed up royally. And it's these thoughts, these impressions in our mind as believers that keep us bound and keep us being totally free in God is because we believe those lies. And again, the Lord, uh, the devil may have used people in your life that have brought by those words, such as parents that says you were worthless when you were a kid, or that you were no good, or you are no value, or you're stupid. Those types of words, even as children, if the devil could go after any age group, he would attack the kids first. Because the kids are the most impressionable. That's the reason I have been always a proponent of Christian education. Because our kids are a hothouse, a nursery of little plants that are growing and trying to thrive in life. To live according to the things of God. And sometimes we take these little plants. These little, they're just coming out of the soil. And we place them out in the sunlight. And we expect them to grow. When they're supposed to be as kids to be kept under the protection of the nursery. Until they become strong enough to be put outside. Revelation 12.10. And I'm finishing up here. It says for the accuser. Hey, remember I said Satan, one of Satan's names is is an accuser? For the accuser has been thrown down to earth, the one who accused our brothers and sisters before God day and night. He will go before God and he will try to bring guilt upon you. He will come to you directly and bring guilt upon you. And they're all lies. Because when you're saved, all of your past is erased. never to remember it again. I don't I, I don't think we we get this concept, this biblical the scriptural preference reference that when we ask for forgiveness, the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of those sins and to throw it in the way in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember our past. But see, the devil wants to play with our minds, and he wants to remind you of your past. And so we stay in bondage to our past when, in fact, the battle has already been won to where your past is no longer a memory in the eyes of God. And if we ever realized that our path, we can be freed from our past, the freedom that we would have not only to walk in the Lord every day, but to be used of the Lord. Oh, you talk about a powerful person who can do great things for the Lord is someone who is completely free from the bondages of their past. Satan wants us to get locked up in our past, all of our mistakes, and hold them over our heads so we don't feel worthy to do the great things for God. Some of you aren't walking in the will of God for your life. It's because you feel like that you're not worthy of that calling. And because you you don't feel worthy of that calling, it keeps you suppressed. It keeps you off in the corner. It keeps you pushed away from the will of God, from the purpose and calling your life. Because it's the devil's plan to tell you that. It's his plan to tell you that you can't do what the Lord's called you to do and we believe a lie and until we come to the truth and realize that that is a lie we will never receive the fullness that God has for all of us so between now and next Wednesday and maybe a third Wednesday I got to see how the Lord directs I'm going to be showing you how to win these battles in our mind okay but I felt like it was very important That I started tonight of knowing who our enemy is, because he is the primary one besides the Lord. He is the primary one that uses our mind against us so that we don't accomplish what the Lord wants us to accomplish. Staying with me. Father, I just love you. We love you. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that we have a revelation tonight. Not only of who you are, but our enemy who is out to destroy us. Lord, help bring so much revelation to us. In this aspect of knowing our enemy and his devices and the strategies, because, Lord, once we know the enemy's strategy, we can fight back. And, Lord, we don't fight by ourselves; We fight with you. You fight with us. We fight with other believers. We, Lord, are a powerful team, you being our captain. And, Lord, you've already won the battle on this earth. And, Lord, we are bound so much in our lives, Lord, and not used to the capacity that we uh, that we can be because we don't realize that there is total freedom out there. And, Lord, we just need you to reveal that truth to us. And I just, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I do bind and arrest the enemy that would try to deceive and to lie to the people of God. And Satan, we acknowledge your ways. We acknowledge your tactics. We acknowledge your strategies. And devil, we plead the blood of Jesus over every one of us, over our kids, over our immediate family. And devil, you will not win. Let me make that clear and open and honest to you. You will not win. You are already defeated by the power and the blood of Jesus on that cross. So, devil, take notice, for we have been given the power and authority, and we take notice of you, and we cast you out in the name of Jesus. Lord, bring deliverance. Everybody lift your hands. Bring deliverance, Lord, that need, that, that need deliverance. Bring a special touch, Lord, that those who need a touch, Lord, bring truth. Lord, if you can just reveal truth to every one of us, Lord, the freedom that we would all have, Lord, will be absolutely an undeniable, stop, unstoppable force. And, Lord, we just thank you. We just we lifted hands. We just say thank you. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you what you're doing for us. And thank you for what you're going to do for us, Lord. We just honor you. We adore you. Lord, as next week as I teach, Lord, I pray that you just help bring the right words, Lord. I want to be able to speak truth, Lord. I don't want anything set out of line and not scripturally based, Lord. I just pray that you just uh, anoint my mind this week and my heart, my spirit, Lord, as I gather this information, Lord, that you're wanting me to give next week. But, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to do this. I thank you, Lord, that even at... Th- the end of this mini-series, Lord, that there will be people that will be totally changed, totally set free, bondages, chains broken off because truth is being revealed to them, Lord. And Lord, we just, by faith, expect this. We pray in your wonderful, wonderful, holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.